and joining me for, joining me for each and every episode is my fellow co-host Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. We have got a lot to talk about. I can't wait to jump in. But first, man, how are you doing? I'm I'm great. You know what? For once, news broke before we recorded the podcast, and I'm I'm very happy about that. I got to ask you one more question. Are you still in Michigan? Yes. Okay. Still stuck in Michigan. <laughs> TBD when that when my my exile to the cold northern states ends, but you know, still here for now. Stuck in Michigan sounds like a um, like a rom com on like the Lifetime Network or something like that. <laughs> it's it's my new upcoming album. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. I'd love to riff on that some more, but we got to talk some rugby stuff, um, and there is a lot to talk about from let's just give the rundown quickly we're going to touch on some old glory dc player signings and re-signings or guys that have left big big loss for us i feel like we'll talk about that mlr baby classic style um we've got an, an introduction not official yet of a 12th team joining mlr the charlotte hawks we're going to talk about that kit misses dropped today we've got that to talk about so so much to get to so let's just right off the start old glory dc news akp this news isn't surprising i mean Old Glory announced that they have officially are bringing back Danny Tusatala, scrum half, Old Glory DC legend. He's played in every single one of Old Glory DC's games in the history of Old Glory DC, has started all of them except for one, the game against Houston last year, AKP. I mean, what can be, what more can be said about this guy? Just what does he bring to this club? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much the the life and soul of this team in in many ways he's one of the most identifiable players we have and like you say not a surprise that he's coming back I mean he was signed to a, a five-year deal after that that first 2020 season when he was absolutely electric and he's going to get to pair up with his old teammate from that team uh, Jason Robertson so it's yeah it's great that he's officially back um and he's coming back next year too, unless something changes with that five-year deal. So, yeah, it's cool stuff. You know, and AKP, what is interesting about what Old Glory has done in the off-season, right? They brought in a couple other scrum halves uh, into the clubhouse, and I don't necessarily think they are going to steal Danny's spot, but maybe more so. You know, they do it in the NBA. You hear the term load management, right? Where maybe given Danny a little bit more less minutes, not because his quality isn't there, but just to rest him, right? I'd rather have a 100% healthy Danny late in the season contending for the playoffs than like a guy who, you know, is playing 80 minutes every single game. Do we need Danny Tusatala to play 80 minutes every single game? Yeah, we'd love him to, but does he need to? If we can save him for a deep playoff run and, and a shot at the MLR shield, I'd rather have that than have him play 80 minutes, particularly in some games where, hey, if we're up by a lot, why are we keeping him out there? So be interesting to see what happens there. The other news, um, and this is one I guess isn't too surprising. You had brought this up in the past, but Marcos Young has officially, or Miami Sharks have confirmed that they have signed Marcos Young. I really like Marcos Young. I, fun, interesting player. Probably no surprise he's going to Miami, right? The, the Argentina influence, he's from the area, if I have that correctly. But uh, AKP, what do, you, what do you think there about Marcos Young? Is it just not enough room now with all the, you know, the options we brought in in the back three? I think I think it's a the pull of um Miami more than than a anything pushing him out of DC. I think he he definitely 
could have stayed at in DC. He was getting a good number of minutes when he was healthy and like like you say, um, domestic player, absolutely electric on the field, um, just seemed to to make things happen on the wing. It's a big loss for the team, I think. Um, he was he was a great player and a great um, pickup out of Argentina. And but you know it's it's a homecoming for him to go to Miami and uh, you know I think that was that was a big draw. I mean we've had similar stories of players coming to coming to DC to to play for you know the hometown team and and you know you can't begrudge him that. Um, yeah, but it is a loss for the team. I really enjoyed watching him. He was he was great to to watch, especially in person and to cheer for in the stands. So. I will miss that. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely miss Marcos. And, you know, I got to imagine, you know, we'll, we'll potentially see Marcos uh, Marcos on, uh, you know, the bigger, wider USA men's Eagles player pool. And, you know, hey, maybe he doesn't stay with Miami, if you know what I mean. And we'll get to that in, in just a second. AKP, we got to move on to probably the biggest news that has happened over the last uh, few days. It's kind of broke Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, it kind of picked up steam, and, and this is the the. Uh, it sounds like there's going to be a twelfth team joining Major League Rugby, um, and it's funny actually, AKP, because I never got around to doing this, but this kind of a is a is a a remix of an idea that me and you talked about a few months ago, and I got to find that podcast episode. But remember, we talked about how Major League Rugby or USA Rugby should have a team in MLR that is all men's eagles so they can stay together and play together and get ready for like the 27 World Cup and 31 World Cup. This is a tweak on that idea um, a little bit. So the USA Hawks are the USA development squad, right? These are, it's not the Falcons. And this gets confusing because there's so many different birds and USA Rugby League has a USA Hawks. (laughs) This is USA Hawks, the the 15th version, but so the Falcons are the second 15, right? The Hawks are that group of younger players primarily, right? Like 25, 23, 24 and under who may be fresh out of college, might still also be in college, but as a as a pathway up to the senior squad, right? An opportunity to them to play games and they've they've done some tours and things like that. You may recall that last year the Hawks played a few um, Super Rugby Americas teams. They weren't officially in Super Rugby Americas, but they played a couple of some of their like academy sides or travel sides. But again, just a way for these younger players to get more more experience in, in competition. So I love it, right? I love what the Hawks program is all about. It sounded like all of this came together extremely quickly, and that is <laughs> World Rugby said, hey, look, because they're investing, I think, three-fourths of the money into this. But essentially, they're going to take the Hawks program and enter them as a team in Major League Rugby to be the 12th team with the focus on giving game time for young, up-and-coming domestic American players. AKP, before we get into more details, what do you think of all of that so far? Well, I mean, when we talked about it in that podcast episode a few months ago, it was like we were very pro the idea we were very for it so you know my position on that hasn't changed I think it's an awesome option it does vary a little bit from what we were what we were talking about we were talking about something that would be closer to just the men's eagles just entered in 
you know, with the the top end players like the Jack Hiscaros, the Jammas, those sorts of players. And this seems to be, you know, that would focus on building a cohesive squad. And this is more focused on, you know, a development team. This is getting those players who might not get a ton of game time or, you know, might not have quite the same role on a, an MLR team that they w- would have on the Eagles and, and getting them game time. And that seems great. I mean, you know, game time is, is how you improve. Game time is, you know, I think it's 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 good to have the challenge to have to compete against better players, to be playing with foreign players in Major League Rugby, to, you know, be getting you know, those different perspectives and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of players in MLR who just aren't getting game time. I mean, you think about like, you know, a player like Mike Weir, you know, he he got 40 minutes of game time last year, but, but he only got 40 minutes of game time. Like that's not going to turn him into, yep. you know, the next starter for the Eagles. And if you, and you get a lot of other young scrum hat or fly halves, sorry, who, end up at fullback and they're not learning fly half skills while they're playing at fullback and so you know I think if USA Rugby really wants to make the most out of MLR as a a development option this seems like the perfect balance you get opponents for you know six months of the year to to play against and and games to train for get to keep all these guys in hopefully you get to turn some sort of a profit from it eventually hopefully this can be you know a financially productive thing i I know most of the world money is coming from world rugby but but still you know it's it it seems great to me i don't i don't see any downside to it really (laughs) so 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 many details have you figured out i think the first thing is just i can't imagine and i was I can't imagine these conversations like just started happening and it came together in like a week. And that's probably my, my biggest, biggest nitpick with all of this is that, okay, major league rugby, we just came off an off season where Toronto's gone. New York is gone. It took a while for you know, uh, RCLA to finally introduce themselves. We're excited that Miami is coming on board, right? They put out a season schedule finally. And then, Wait a second, a week later, it was decided that, okay, a new team is coming in. Again, none of this is official yet because there's been no official announcement, but it, everything is just leaked out. So brings up a couple of points. One, Major League Rugby, we love rugby, but like this isn't like us trying to figure out world peace, right? It's not that serious. Just put the news out just in an orderly way and just put it out there. I, I, am, am I going crazy here? But like... It's, it's a big deal, but in the grand scheme of everything that's going on, is it really that big of a deal? Just put the news out. and you know, Otherwise, people speculate like us, and people are running wild, and they're hating on the idea. I think the idea is great, and I think overwhelmingly most people are for it. So the timing of it is just is funky. is funky, right? Because I got to feel like these conversations were probably happening, and maybe it was just toying with the idea. But like in June or July, in August, and September, October even – there should have been like a green light, like, okay, let's do this. And then let's, let's get it out there. Let's, so I guess, and I'm rambling here, but <laughs> world rugby, major league rugby is trying to put on a, a competition, you know, a season here. We just put out, they just put out the season schedule. 
you can't then pick up the phone and say, hey, by the way, we want to put a team in this year. Like, what? break it down for me, AKP. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I know that's such an open-ended question, but... Yeah, but it, it's a good question because it's, it's one of those where you, you look at it and you think, like, how... Who decided, yep, let's release a schedule when they have to have known that this team was was on the way. But one thing that I will say is that World Rugby is probably the culprit here. Because World Rugby, it could be that World Rugby has only just decided this week to say, yes, here's your rubber stamp, here's your your green light to to actually here's your your cash to actually fund this <laughs> this team yeah um, ding ding <laughs> and so you know it could be that every piece was in place you know two weeks ago when they released the schedule and then they just didn't have the the money they just didn't have world rugby's official yes this is a go and so they said you know, and maybe they even had hints that it wasn't going to go through or something like that. And so they said, okay, we're going to go through, forward and do our thing. And then suddenly World Rugby was like, actually, yeah, we're for this. You know, start the team, here's the cash. And so it could be that that's why, you know, it didn't get announced and wasn't planned for and the schedule was released without it, it being considered. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, as much as I think you can... I think that the league could do with being much more transparent than they are about everything and even about this specifically. But it's also you don't want to promise to people, you know, like, oh, we're going to have a new team. And then it's like, oh, wait, actually, World Rugby never actually said that they were officially a team. So now they're gone. You know, a team entering them pulling out, that's way more chaotic than just, you know, because like, if World Rugby had pulled out, none of us would have been the wiser. Maybe we would eventually hear, like, oh, there were talks about this, but it didn't happen. But, you know, it's... I I do understand the need for caution there. But, yeah, it does seem crazy. Because now you've got to deal with the schedule. You've got a full schedule out there. People started planning, you know, and now suddenly it's like, oh, well, we're going to change it again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I have so many other questions that come up, right? And, and you brought up, you know, the cash, and that's important, right? So there's there's two things there. This isn't quite an expansion team, right? It's, you know, it's not like a... Let me stick, take a step back, right? Any new club that would enter the league typically would pay an expansion fee, right? That's how a lot of these startup leagues really start to spread the money around to all the other club owners if you see where I'm going here with this right typically there's like an entrance fee an expansion fee for a new club to come into a league and that money then gets circulated to the other owners to help make sure you know pay off some debt and make sure they have money to spend to for costs and all that stuff as part of world rugby funding this team are they just funding the operation of the hawks and is it for how long I'm hearing stuff I think the American rugby news thing said maybe something like four years, but then after the 27 World Cup, is it going to continue to be funded? Is it going to be self-sustained? Are new owners going to come in? So many questions there to be figured out. And that can be figured out. I guess we got time to fig- figure that out. But the bigger question then is, part of the money that World Rugby is putting up to fund this, and apparently Major League Rugby is funding about a third of it as well. So Major League Rugby is finding some money to put it together. They couldn't find money for Toronto, New York, which is interesting, but... World Rugby, as part of the money, 
is it was there an expansion fee and i know you have no idea like we're not privy to those conversations but i would suspect that probably not given the unique situation of what the team is for and that's too bad right because that's too bad because i'm i'm pretty certain miami probably paid an entrance fee or an expansion fee i'm pretty sure you know, RFCLA paid an entrance fee or an expansion fee, right? Any new club that comes into the league next year or the following year, the club down in Monterey, Mexico, I'm sure they're going to pay an expansion fee, right? Again, money that gets circled to all the owners. So if the Hawks are coming in and they're not paying an expansion fee, unfortunately, the other owner's probably like, well, crummy, you know, potentially missing out on a little bit of a payment that can help us get that runway a little bit longer. So I don't know if you want to comment on that, but, you know, I just wonder. That's one of the questions I have about the finances. Yeah. I mean, my guess is that MLR is doing this as, you know, something of an act of charity. They want USA Rugby to succeed. Um, that like Canadian rugby, um, rugby Canada to succeed as well, but Rugby Canada can't get out of its own way for enough time. I mean, there's only so much you can do, right? Um, it is... I So, yeah, I imagine they probably skipped over the expansion fee it's one of those that you know who knows whether this works in the long term it's a bit of an odd fit when you think about it you're going to have a a development team it's going to be primarily u25 american domestic players players who are at least or players who are you know a year or two away from from that status i think they're going to have six foreign players that they're going to but but really keep trying they're going to try and keep the foreign players to a, a minimum there's a good chance this team doesn't win many games that you know they have that they that they're like Dallas or Chicago that they join and they really struggle to actually put together wins despite having some some promising play and you know that's because their intent is not necessarily to win games. Winning games is is fun, but it's not the not the point. The point is to get players good play, good quality playing time against serious opponents. And so, which which is which is sorry, which yeah. is interesting, right? Because which which flies counter to what all the other clubs are trying to do, right? And that's win as many games as possible, and get to the playoffs. And again, with this twelfth team here, right? And I don't know if they're gonna change the playoff structure. Yeah, right. I think the conferences are going to go back to two conferences again, East and West. Not sure if it'll be eight teams that qualify. So really, this you need to be one of the top eight teams to do it. The Hawks, if their focus isn't primarily on getting wins to try and get to the playoffs to win an MLR championship, it's just to develop players. It provides an interesting dynamic when they enter the regular season and they play all these clubs who are trying to win games to improve their win-loss record. So... It's going to be a very interesting strategy as we see there. I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I just, you know, it's, again, yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect, and that's fine, but this is a really unique situation. It's a fluid situation. I love what they're doing here. It's just, there's some, you know, there's some stuff that hasn't been figured out, and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be, it'll be an interesting to see how they sort this out, because, you know, you talking about the schedule and it's like okay so you go to 12 teams the obvious answer is put it into two conferences and um you know just have the normal playoff route take the you know if you're going to keep it an 18 
playoff then take the top four from each six team conference and you know run with it but the the question is that you know would that give the eastern conference too much of an advantage because you're putting in a team that you pretty much know is is going to lose a fair number of games is not going to be performing probably at the same level of quality is going to be you know they're intentionally hamstringing themselves because their goal isn't to win games first and foremost and so you know it's like okay so the eastern conference gets a a cupcake in there but then again if they're only competing against themselves is that really different to when we had mismatched conferences and there was just a team missing from from one of the conferences so it's it's an interesting question whether it whether it makes anything unfair and there's a there's a question too that like do you do they have to redo the whole schedule to fit the hawks in because there was a there was a really in-depth post on reddit about this one of the the fans worked out you know a way that you could just fit them into the bye weeks you know they would only have an 11 game schedule as opposed to a 16 game schedule but you know then you wouldn't have to to change any of the existing schedule you presumably wouldn't um count them for the playoffs or anything um they would just be there to to play but they'd still get an 11 game schedule against MLR teams so it's it's interesting it'll be interesting to see how this all works out some of the discussion right is you know who the head coach of this team is going to be and in Brian Ray's or the American Rugby News uh, article it seemed to hint at potentially um, Scott Lawrence who's the head coach the interim head coach of the men's Eagles but if you know we'll, we'll see if one USA Rugby removes that tag they probably will but then does he become the head coach of this program is it going to be someone else he's going to delegate that duty to someone else so many things to 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 figure out um, about this and you mentioned the players here so They've got to form this club, and it sounds like that the existing Hawks team, there were some about two-thirds or so, or a majority of the players, were retained from previous teams. So we can go back and look at some of those names and probably start to piece together, and some names have already started to come out, other players. I think there's about maybe three that have been linked to the Hawks so far, but there was an expansion draft. Um, and I think that already took place. Like, the players have already been selected, right? And Which brings up an interesting question, right? So, as part of the expansion draft, each club was to designate two players to be made available for Charlotte to consider, though not necessarily sign with the team, right? And players were asked to be mid-20s or younger and either immediately eligible for... Um, immediately USA eligible or within a year or two becoming eligible, right? So the draft took place. We don't we don't know who's been selected yet. But if you look at the list of uh, players on Oglory DC's roster who would fit that build, right? Of, of, of let's just speculate here, right? Let let's let's walk me through the list of players that Oglory DC fit that. And then let's talk about who you think O'Glory made available and, and who would you say, oh man, I guess if we have to choose here, these are the two that we would make available. AKP, who are some of the players that O'Glory DC could potentially have made available in this expansion draft? So I think the players that we have that 
that are in that category. Colin Gross, obviously. Mike Weir, who we mentioned. Um, Koi Koi Nelligan. Um, and then we have a few new players who also fit the, the bill. Charlie Overton, Logan Widener, and Connor Buckley. Um, maybe Ethan McVeigh too. He might be over 25. So yeah, it's... You've got a good collection of young players there. Personally, if I was the thinking about the purpose of the Hawks as a development team, someone like Colin Gross, he's just going to get time with Old Glory anyway. I don't think he needs to go to this Hawks team to get development. And so it's sort of a waste of a spot on the Hawks to give him to, to the Hawks. And so I think we'd keep him... For me, Logan Widener looks looks good. I think he's going to get plenty of time for Old Glory, so I'd, I wouldn't send him over. Mike Weir, I'd probably put up as one of the players because he's, you know, he's going to be competing against Jason Robertson and and Grady, both of whom are sort of proven good uh, fly halves for Old Glory, and so it's you know trying to trying to get some time in between those two at such a, a key position. I I don't see him f- making the field a ton this year anyway. So, yeah, let him go go with the Hawks personally is what I would say. And, you know, I can't... It's tough to decide between the other ones. It depends. You know, I haven't seen any of Charlie Overton play, so I don't know if he'd be good to send over there. Connor Buckley... I mean, he's going to be behind Danny Tusitala, and he should get, you know, some time off the bench and, like you say, managing minutes and that stuff. But there are plenty of other scrum halves for Old Glory. I could see, you know, we already have more players in that position than we really need. So maybe, maybe he's someone we leave open to. Yes, it's all very interesting, and I think... Your point about Mike Ware, right? He definitely fits the build. Of, and we, you talked about this on on the last on our episode last week about it, you know Mike Ware, you know great American next American fly half that we really want to truly develop. It seems like the Hawks program would be an ideal fit for him, particularly if he can get on the field more. Like love for Mike to get more opportunities, right? So I could see him being someone that Old Glory DC either would want to say, oh, actually, we've got plans for Mike, and maybe we want to hold him back, where the Hawks might be like, actually, we've got plans for him, too. We want to take him. So be interesting to see what happens there with Mike. You know, I'm I'm looking over this list, and, you know, Old Glory just acquired Charlie Overton um, in a trade with Miami, so it would be strange to then make him available for the Hawks. So, so that's funky, and, you know, Logan Widener – great young talent right i think he's yeah. came from canada if i had that right and you know and yeah and and you know i like koi koi i just like the, the energy he plays with you know it'd be interesting to see who exactly they're going to make available considering like he's you know marcus young just left old glory and, and went to miami and you know and is marcus young a player that miami's going to make available for this you know expansion draft yeah so, yeah, and it's funny because, oh, glory, we didn't have any draft picks 
this year because we used all of them. You know, we traded around a little bit. So you would think you know, a lot of these MLR clubs might use some of their draft picks from from the, you know this recent one and make those players available for this expansion draft. Uh, I guess we'll see. You know, the altruist in me says, you know what, these guys, let's let's get them playing time, right? Like if if they're going to be competing for just table scrap minutes on Old Glory DC's roster, they have an opportunity to go play and develop more with the Hawks. I'm all for it. I'm all for it, right? Like, do it. But you know, a guy like Mike Weir and you know Buckley and Overton, you know, players who probably have a good shot and maybe getting some minutes um you know we'll see if they they're 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 kept around and retained a little bit it's just we won't know until we officially see the announcement from major league rugby about the hawks program and who the players are and who the head coach is and and all that good stuff um so akp should we move on from the hawks or is there anything else you want to chat about hawks related no i think i think we've covered it as much as we can do with the the current information so yeah okay so my guess is um the next announcement we're going to have for major league rugby um will be about the hawks kit miss just happened we're going to talk about the jerseys in just a second you probably quote unquote want to give you know the kit miss release a little bit a day or two to breathe to you know people digest it and talk about it and and the pundits out there to rank the kits i'll play a part in that um so i would anticipate an announcement about the Hawks either coming at the end of this week, a Thursday, Friday, or the beginning of of next week, right? Because I think camps officially start January twenty second or something like that. So, but the next but the next thing is right. So not yeah. only do you have to announce the Hawks, you also have to release the revised schedule, right? As, as we were talking about. So, yeah, break it down for me, man. <laughs> what are these variations going to look like? How can they fit it all in? Because right, we've got the the you know the parameters of that funky two week break at the end of the season, and then playoffs, MLR Shield, and then you've got that July window, and we've talked about the impact that that's going to have on a number of teams, particularly Old Glory DC. But this variation in the schedule, how are they going to make this work? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and it really depends on you know what they're trying to achieve if they're goal is to if they want to make sure that they have 16 games for this this team and they integrate them into the the normal schedule then you're probably going to see two conferences you're going to see you know eight home games eight away games for every team including the hawks but as i said there was a there was an interesting speculation from a um a redditor who I'm just trying to look up. Oh yeah, okay. From Redditor Big Red Machine, um, and it, and who did a great job of just going through every various variations on this schedule, and you know, raised the possibility that Charlotte could play an 11 game season. They could they could just fit them into the off seasons. Every team would lose an off season, but it would also give them a chance to run out their younger players, run, rest some players, give, give guys a, a chance on the field, you know, sort of lower pressure game. So I, I guess we'll see what, 
ends up happening. It'll depend on, you know, how MLR is thinking about this team and how the USA Rugby is thinking about this team. But isn't there an issue with them only playing 11 games? I mean, not necessarily. Uh, from from the way it looked, I mean, you could you could organize it so you have a bunch of games in the early part of the season. Then you have they could have several weeks off, do more training, more development because development is the focus. You know, they could spend you know it's a, essentially an extended camp and then an exhibition, an eleven game exhibition season, which. I mean that would be that would be great for them. They the Hawks have never spent that much time together or played that many games together. You know, it'd still be such a massive so they play each, improvement. Yeah. They play each other team once, basically. And and the results of those games would count towards the standings? Not necessarily. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Who knows? Yeah, so it's like are they in the league or are they not in the league at this point though? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we'll probably see them two conferences them playing a full 16 game season as if they're a a real normal team yeah but you probably get a a good point earlier when you talked about you know the the imbalance right if you're a a team in the western conference are you like well wait a second this doesn't seem right right like if they're going to play their eastern conference opponents twice but only play some western conference teams just once there seems to be a uh, competitive imbalance there so <laughs> i feel for whoever's putting who's ever tweaking this schedule because it's probably almost assuredly not going to make everyone happy um but it, it, it's, it, that's my point like are they officially in the league or are they not in the league are the games going to count or are they not going to count because that's what i want you know like if they're not really in the league then then it's just an exhibition game then what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question and there's there's no obvious answer but yeah i guess we'll you don't have the answers akp we'll i come out. to you for all of the answers come on man <laughs> you know i don't know if anyone knows what the actual answer is yet there's a good chance that this hasn't been fully settled yet and that you know everyone is is figuring out what should be true <laughs> oh man hey um so more to come on that um it's exciting stuff it's wild stuff but akp i want to move on to something a little bit lighter and we've talked about it but kitmas so major league rugby we're recording on a wednesday they officially released all 11 jerseys not 12 yet right hawks aren't officially in so we'll see if they're an official kappa uh jersey again kappa is the new on-field kit provider for Major League Rugby this year. Uh, They have released all of the jerseys. I've taken a little bit of a look, but AKP, hot take right now. Quick glance. Let's walk through this. Ones that stick out to you in a good way first. What are you liking as as what you see here? Home or away? Just whatever you think. Yeah, so as a a sort of instant reaction, teams that, that... You know, sort of the I think the best jerseys of this lot, and with the caveat that it always changes when you actually see them, people wearing them. There's jerseys that look bad in images that end up looking better on the field, and vice versa. But Dallas really struck me as as a team. I love the gigantic star thing going on. I I like the color scheme. I mean, they've always had good colors. Uh, yeah, I. I really like the Dallas ones. And then 
I think Nola Gold gets a, a call out for just you know they're sticking with the classics. Their jerseys have barely changed over the years, but they're such a good one, especially that uh, Mardi Gras jersey for the away jersey. It's just it's quality. My immediate thoughts, um, liking how Miami has really leaned into using the pink. That's great. Reintroducing pink ever since the LA Guillotini's loss, so that's come back. I, yeah, I got. I'm right there with you, man. That Dallas Stars, that star jumped out at me um, immediately. I'm liking that. I like the the hoops or the stripes for the Chicago Hounds. That just looks. I like it. I, I kind of like the camo for the San Diego Legion. Um, it looks pretty cool. I'm gonna keep going on this just a little bit more. Some other ones that that stand out. Um, you know, I like New England's, but I don't think they're the leader of the pack like they had been years in years past. Um, I think there's some other clubs that have surpassed them this year. I think across the board, I'm pleased with, with what Kappa put out. Um, I think th- these jerseys look pretty good. They look pretty clean. I think fans have to be excited about them. I yeah. do think some of the clubs a little more traditional or kind of kept things the same, which is fine. You know, Old Glory DC's colors are good. The red, white, and blue. I like it. You know, I think it's it's a, it's a cool, it's a good look. Um the Seattle Seawolves, man, they used to have such a good color scheme, and I don't know why they've gone away from their traditional kind of like navy and green. I don't know. And the Warriors, they had a sweet jersey a couple years ago where they had like the mountain, you know, uh, the, the, the kind of that, that landscape thing going on that, you know, I would love for them to bring back, but I don't quite see it here. But, uh, you know, across the board, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing uh, so far from these jerseys. I got to dive in a little bit more, but uh, so far, tip of the cap to Kappa. Good, good introduction into the league. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think you've got a number of... I've always been more of a... I like solid colors. I like... Uh, I prefer hard lines to gradients in general, and you've got a lot of that going on in these jerseys. You know, I think you've got a number of teams that are pretty much just playing in solid colors i mean old glory for one thing you've got saber cats are just doing black at home and yellow on the road and you've got la is is just blue and then a lighter shade of blue and miami's going for the pink and then a, a black with a pink pattern for for their away jersey you know i think that's fine and chicago i mean their away jersey is just a solid green i actually really like that it's one of the things, whenever I watch Six Nations, I love that the, the teams pretty much just play in solid colors. I think it's a really clean look. I don't I don't mind the I don't mind stripes and some some patterns. Like I say, I like the Dallas one. I agree with you that Seattle is just it's not quite doing it for me. They just don't I don't get what their identity is from their jersey. And I don't mind the the Utah one. I think they've done better in the past, but you know, I think it's a clean design and that's that's fine by me. There's none of them that I really hate though. These are all these are all perfectly decent jerseys. Yeah, I'm looking at the Seattle one a little bit more and the one I, I see kind of the mountain in the back and I'm I'm a, in the in the evergreen the trees, you know, I I'm, I'm assuming that's Mount Rainier, but it's kind of strange, right? Cuz you've got you know, you've got the 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 sea you know, wolf, the, the whale, the orca, and then you got the mountains and trees. It's like, which way are you going here with that? But yeah, across the board, there's, there's not one that that I necessarily stand out where I'm like, oh, hate. You know, I the the RFCLA one's kind of 
growing on me a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a UCLA vibe. Maybe that's just because of the similarity in colors, but I kind of like that wave. You know, maybe that's what that's all about. Um, has nothing to do with an acorn or an oak tree, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, first thoughts, you know, pretty good. Look, Houston's got their thing, right? They're black and they're black and yellow, or black and gold, right? Like, bold, go bold with the yellow. I think they've they've done that um, again here. But uh, yeah, I like Old Glory's all red jersey. That one is probably my favorite of the Old Glory ones. The 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 prominent the prominent red. I like that. I like that look. Yeah, and it looks like it's got a a pattern on it. It's kind of difficult to tell from the image I'm I'm looking at, but I think that that could come out pretty well on camera. I think that could, and in person could look pretty cool. So yeah, there's a bunch of these that you just gotta wait and see what they actually look like on the on the field. But overall, I'm pretty pretty impressed by this, and I agree. New England's is is fine, but it's I don't think it's the best of the pack. Yeah. So AKP to close this out here, I always do a you know kind of the closing thoughts here, and it's related to jerseys, but I'm going to bring this up. Um, for the first time at the Six Nations Championship this year, all of the players will have their names on the back of the jersey, um, and in the release, I love this in the release. Uh, un unnamed Six Nations official said the idea will be that a new fan watching a game for the first time can instantly identify the players that are watching yeah well no shit what I guess my question is what took you so long to figure this out and my question to you AKP is you know are you in favor of moving forward for any rugby jersey professional international player names on the back of the jersey yeah I think at a high level it should just be standard and it's one of those things that, you know, maybe the technology didn't exist 50 years ago to reliably put names on the back of jerseys on game day. Because, I mean, that's part of it. So you don't know who's wearing what jersey until you get to the get to game day. But these days, the stick-on stuff is, is good enough. And if it falls off, whatever. I think it's nice to know who these players are. There's a lot of... I don't watch that much internationals and so like if in the world cup you'd had names on players and you know what it might help is especially for tier two countries it might help the commentators know which players are are actually playing i'm in favor too i think there's also a merchandise sales thing in there too as well kids like wearing adults like wearing the jerseys of their favorite players like i don't know why rugby hasn't figured that out yet and i get that that kind of get the traditionalist take on it but you know, I think that the sport needs to kind of get with the times. So it's a fan engagement thing. It's it's also a revenue generator. So yeah, let's let's do this moving forward. Anyway, AKP. Sorry to cut us short here. There's a lot of other things going on, but um, hey, MLR can each and every week, baby, keeping us on our toes. Uh, I'm excited to see what this official announcement uh, comes from Major League Rugby about the Hawks and who the players. Are and what the schedule looks like. Are they officially in the league? Are they not? Are the games going to count? Are they not? What is going on? We've got so much more to talk about. And hopefully for next week's episode, we get a little bit more details about all of that. But for my co-host, fellow co-host, Alistair Cordish-Paul, I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you back here next week. Oh, 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 oh.